Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Welcome to Theology Thursday. I'm Kevin Dixon. I'm one of the pastors of Journey Church. And joining me today on Theology Thursday is Susie Lind and Mike Erie, also both pastors from Journey Church. Please say hi. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Nice. Very good. Well, we've been in a, um, we're going through a series here of talking about who God is and, and kind of unpacking those things. Last time, last Thursday, we talked about the Trinity and, and God being triune in nature. Now we're going to take each one of those over these next three weeks and talk about their personhood and their attributes and things that they bring to the Godhead. Um, and this fits in nicely into a, a deeper, fuller, richer understanding of how we form our opinions about God and who God is. And so the traditional view of this or the ongoing, uh, what I would say, uh, traditional in terms of history of um, studying the Bible and what the Bible teaches about who God is, is that it's it's rooted in this idea that God is wholly other, meaning he is not uh, human and that he is the creator. He is the one with divine attributes that um, makes him above his creation, outside his creation, but also interacting with his creation. We believe that God himself is holy, that he is the creator. He is the spirit as well as personal. We believe that his attributes include, which I think is really important, is that he's independent, meaning that he does not need his creation for himself. Um, We believe that God is unchangeable, that he is omnipresent, that he is eternal, And all these uh, things, these attributes that we assign to God, give him this place unlike any other in our understanding of theology and or our relationship with the world or with one another. We all know that we are finite on this planet. Everything dies. Um, God doesn't die. God is eternal, always has been, always will be. So those are some of the, just the essential attributes that we assign to God. But then it becomes more personal. It becomes more personal in that he assigned to us some of his attributes to give us um, uh, what is called the image of God. He gives us his image. It's it, He gives us moral agency. He gives us the ability to make decisions. We are people with our own wills. We have the capacity for emotion. We have capacity for deep love for one another. All these attributes are true of God as well as of us as his creation. And so with that, as we wrestle with an understanding of of God interacting with us, but also being other than us, different than us, above us, several um, issues come into play as we go about life, as we think about God, as we interact with God, and as we understand who God is. We 
get caught as human beings in the trap of trying to create God in our image and to understand God in light of what is happening rather than what is true about God. And so today on Theology Thursday, it would be good if we could talk a little bit about how um, these characteristics of God, these um, uh, attributes of God are unchangeable and they define him but also then how that changes how we interact with him as well. And so this is the underlying um, overall principle of Christianity is, is that we worship a God who is more than and above and beyond what we can fully imagine or create in our own minds. And so there's a mystery to this. There is a bigness to this. There is a, uh, an agreement among those of us who follow this God, this triune God, that what is and who is God is essential in understanding how he then relates to us and to the world in which he's created. And so with creation, Jesus, God, I mean, God, the father in creation has assigned us value because he named us and he created all that we know. With, with the triune God, the spirit was there. And so is Jesus. This is where this gets tricky when you try to parse these three people out. Mm -hmm. um, but, but today we're just going to kind of focus in on God, the father. And so with that, um, I want to bring in Mike and Susie. That is the, the traditional, was there, is there any pieces you want to fill in around that? I'm trying to give them just a quick overview of the position of this is God, the father. I think you did a great job, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and Mike shook his head no on the Zoom call. So there's a, 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 um, a real that no sense one can of, see. <laughs> now, yes. Now, the, there's some scriptures that are going to be in the show notes. If you want to look them up, we're, we're, we can reference some of those things. Um, but where this really becomes a, a theological or a faith idea is in how we see God's authority, how we see God's um, uh, sovereignty, how we see God interact with his creation, because we're ultimately in that creation. And so I think the practical side of this particular doctrine of the Father is usually fleshed out in well, if there's evil in the world, what is God doing? Is he really sovereign? If there are bad things that are happening to me, is he paying attention? If, and, and these are the kind of things that you, when you understand the, the deeper implications of the character of God and his, and his attributes, you start to lean into those rather than your own experience. So, mm -hmm. so with that, this is what brings to light uh, for a lot of people, the struggle of my life isn't going the way I thought it should go. What is God doing? That is usually what is behind that question. Why isn't he paying attention? And so um, I want to invite you guys into this conversation and just ask that question. When, when somebody says to you, okay, it feels like God's not paying attention, or it feels like there's so much bad in this world. There's so much. And if God really is these things that he says he is, why doesn't he do something different? How does understanding this change that for you? For me, I, um, I think one of the things that you said that is 
really key to this whole thing is just the the fact that we we come to we come to everything with our own bias with our own experience that shaped us and formed us right and so right. it's something we talk a lot about in when we talk about formation is what's forming you how have you been formed and what's forming you and reforming you and you know um so we when you when you said like we come and we come to God and and we create him in our image as opposed to being created in his image and allow ourselves to be formed in his image we're applying our own understanding of humanity which is very limited to who God is which is unlimited right and so right. um i think that's that's kind of like the thing you have to keep in mind for me, when I ask that question, especially like, I mean, when we talk about God as the father, I mean, that's a whole nother can of worms because then we bring in all of our daddy baggage too, that we all have, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so we, we actually, we bring our daddy baggage into the conversation and we apply that to the, the person of God. So how we've experienced authority and power and, um, and leadership whether it's someone we have been in intimate relationship with or someone, a pastor, a boss, a teacher, what coach or whatever, how we've mm-hmm. experienced those things is really like we apply that to how we understand and experience God. And so you have to take your experience and car- compartmentalize it and then take what you know about God and then somehow find the integration there and let truth speak to everything and, and mm-hmm. put yeah. your experience before God. And then that's where you find intimacy. You know, it's, it's hard and understanding if understanding is the goal, then I don't know if that's ever going to be possible in some cases. I don't know. And, and is it, and is it necessary? That's right. That's right. Mike, where do you go with this? Which piece of that, Kev? Uh, that was my head <laughs> going like with the suffering piece or with the concept of God as Father. Um, well, yeah. If 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 God is says and the Bible teaches us He's all these things, right? Right. Good, He's, loving, powerful. Well, all those attributes are assigned to Him. Yeah. And yet, life isn't as I want it to be. Right. Right. And we've all experienced that this year in spades. Um, And that's a card reference in case anybody's wondering. Um, So there is a, a ongoing, like the United States has felt it this year in ways that it hasn't felt it in a long time, probably from the standpoint of we've, we've experienced a pandemic. We haven't had one since 1918. So there's a, there is all of these pieces. We've got, we've got political divide. We've got all the social ills. We've got um, all that. And yet, you know, so it strips away some of our ability to control what is a good life. And so we look at God and say, why isn't my life as good as I want it to be? Mm -hmm. Or, why do I have these things? And how do I reconcile that with what the Bible says? Who is God? Yeah. No, it's great. Um, the Bible. So, so when it presents God as father, obviously it doesn't mean that God is male. Um, 
it's a it's a if in in the patriarchal society in which the Bible was written, there there was a covenantal and kinship understanding that sat behind the concept of father that isn't familiar to us. Right. We've have very much right. in mind a biological nuclear family and my daddy has issues. And so I have issues with my father and you just have issues all the way up. This was this, this, as, as both Susie and Kevin have said, this has more to do with authority uh, and more to do with um, honor in an honor and shame society. And so the biblical story is that God actualizes these free moral agents, right? As you said, Kevin, we're made in the image of this God and then, and then entrusted with small pieces of sovereignty out of which we carry on God's uh, vocation. And so the Bible locates suffering um, in several places. One is in, in the choices of the image bearers as they have not imaged well, both creation and they have suffered. Yes. You, you have the introduction of principalities and powers that are also distorted and fallen that were necessary for the right ordering of the world for its shalom. Uh, and then you have God um, in Genesis 3 introducing difficulty into the world where mm-hmm. life won't work on human terms only. You know, right. so the so the ground is cursed, but the impulse is given to the humans to work the ground, but then the ground is it's now difficult. You know, the, the impulse yes. is given to the humans to fill the earth, but now there's pain um, mm-hmm. in doing that, right? So right. that whole yep. combination um, leaves us with the image of a father who um, delights, pursues, is relentless in love um, and present and attention. Uh, but in, in the same way, the best of our heaven or our best of our earthly fathers allow us um, to grow into maturity by not always intervening. Um, the, the picture we give it of God isn't of one of constant intervention either, but of actualizing universe where like human beings have real power for good or for evil. Right. Yeah. And therein lies the great struggle, right? The great struggle is how do we, how do we, um, engage or understand God in light of our own struggles with wanting to be God? our Mm -hmm. own struggles with wanting to be our own master, to be our own authority, to be uh, omniscient, to be omnipresent, to, and, and so in us is a, a, a stamp of God's image, but it was never intended to move us to a place to replace God himself. But yet that seems to be the constant struggle. And so there's this this love relationship with God that also is coupled with um, how do we coerce God into doing what we want? How do we get God to play by our rules? How do we get God to understand our problem, our suffering, and then not just understand it, but fix it? Because if he really is omnipotent, he knows all things. If he really is omnipresent, he is everywhere. If he really is good, if he really is, then he wouldn't want these things to happen to me or the people I love. And so there is a, a practical theology to this that needs to move people into understanding God's role um, in our lives and also understand where he chooses. He's, he also has moral agency. 
chooses to intervene when he chooses to intervene um, and chooses not to when he chooses not to. So there is this sense of, and we see it throughout the Bible. We see throughout well, we the Bible see it where God. in the life of Jesus. Right. We see it he, all in the life of Jesus and the way he interacted with his own disciples and with people. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a scene in the Bible that always puzzled me with Jesus. He walks to a, he comes to a pool where people are all laying on mats around this pool and the water would bubble and the first one into the water would get healed. We won't even get into the theology of that today, but he walks by all these people and he walks to one person and he heals that one person. Not all of them, just one. And so there's something in this um, willfulness of God <laughs> that um, we collectively um, are, and I, and I, I want to throw the word justice into the conversation because we want, and oftentimes this is a justice question. Why do, why do I have to endure? Or why do they have to endure? Or why, why is this person assigned this difficulty and this person assigned this one? Um, and so there seems to be a, rammed, a randomness to God's involvement. Well, hold on a second. And, are, are, is God okay. up there assigning difficulties? I would say no, he's okay. not. So, but so that's what it feels is, like. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I'm saying that's what like a person would say. I feel this way. I feel like, like this. Why is, how is this works. my cup? Like when Jesus says, "Let this cup yes. for me." Like why is this my cup? Why is having right whatever issue? I want I somebody have? else's. Right. Yeah. I would prefer somebody else's. And and so this this goes back to this idea of justice, determination, also the the. Um, idea of of God's control. We talked about it on Sunday. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to Sunday's message on God is in control. Sunday, January 24th. I'm Just sorry. Thank you for that. This later. <laughs> yes. And that's on our website at journeytn.com. But um, all, all that. What's at that? At Kevin at journeytn.com. So this is the struggle. This is the human struggle. It's not a God struggle. It's a human struggle. So again, the question I think we wrestle with is at those moments is, do we believe that God is good? Do we believe that he has my best interest at heart? Do we believe those things mm -hmm. about God? So it, it kind of, kind of boils down to this understanding of, of faith, but also the character of God. Mm -hmm. So in those moments, um, what do you say? What do you, where do you go? Like, I've had moments like that. I've had moments of that where people have died in my life and I go, I don't get this. Um, I've had moments in, in this last year where I go, come on, one more thing. One, I mean, from it's, it feels like it's just been the next thing, the next thing, next thing. And the question that comes to my mind, and I'll say this to God periodically while I'm sitting in my car, are you paying attention down here? Can you see what's going on? And can we get a little relief? That's that's the essence of my prayer. Yeah. And, and you join in a long line of psalmists and prophets. Yes. Yeah, it sounds a little Habakkuk-y to me. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, yes. Uh, yes. There's a great deal of permission for that. Yeah. Yeah. So where does it move? And this is the part where it moves me 
it moves me to the place where I know he hears me. I know he is paying attention and it, and, and usually the quiet whisper in my ear is Kevin, I've, I just need you to align with, I need you to align with me, not what you think ought to be. You know, what comes to mind for me, Kevin, is you, you laid out a really great, um, overview of the person of God, especially as, as he is in, in the person of the father. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I think about like my husband, Steve's relationship with my boys as their father, like he has like this way about him and, you know, the way he parents and we have one, well, two kids in particular that are very, um, one of them needs to know the why all the time. Like he can't just, he can't just do what's being asked of him or, um, you know, whatever it is, he can't just do it just because I told you so like he needs the why he always has his whole life. And then another one that he, he needs the why, but he needs it in, in, in the form of presence. Like he needs to know that, that we are present with him and that we're with him before we go after the thing that we need him to do. And so there's, there's something really beautiful about a healthy um, parent child relationship where the parent can in our, and this is all again, in our human understanding where the parent can like, and I think God gives us these relationships uh, to help us understand a little bit, even though it's different, whatever, but like, there's something beautiful about a healthy father child relationship, parent child relationship where there is authority and there's power but yet the child is able to come to the parent and, and ask why and question and, and want more presence and want more understanding and want more relationship through that. And the father doesn't get angry for that. He doesn't resent that ask. He, right. he yep. enters in. And that to me is a beautiful picture of, of this, of our relationship mm-hmm. with our father. So have all the struggles we want with power, authority, control, whatever you want to call it. And, mm-hmm. and take that to God, because that's the constant invitation through Jesus is that we can come to him, come to me, come to me with your burdens, come to me with your sorrows. And Jesus, as the person of God in the flesh comes in and, and, and grieves with us, he weeps with us, he has compassion with us, he sits with us, he heals us, he restores us, he does all those things, all with the same power, authority, blah, 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 that we think mm-hmm. of as God. And so that's, that's what we, I mean, that's what will ultimately change us is being connected to this person of God through relating to him and struggling in that relationship. Yeah. For me, the big turning point for me was understanding that um, in this relationship, God's motive, God's motive towards me is love. Once, once I moved off the fact that God, God's wrath wasn't his motive, that he, once I moved off the fact that he was angry with me, once I moved off of all of that stuff and I began the realization, and John 3.16, that verse for me used to scare me. But as I got older and I began to understand my relationship with God, what's, what's rooted in there is this understanding, is that God loved me. God loved the world. God God's motive, and if God's motive was to love me, and he loved his son more than he loves me, and he sent his son, and, a, and Jesus died, and there's a whole lot to unpack in that, which we will talk about, 
a little bit more when we talk about Jesus, but there is this, I can trust the motive of God for me. I can trust the motive of God for me. And so all that power, all that authority, all that control is that it's all used in a way that expresses love to me, no matter what I'm going through. So any, any closing thoughts, Mike, Susie? You know, the only way that became real for me was the recognition that um, Jesus, the, God has always been like Jesus, is like Jesus now, and will be like mm-hmm. Jesus forever. Like there's, right. there, like we can talk. I mean, the the great gift of the Bible is it a list of attributes or some Greek definitions? Uh, the gift right. of the Bible is the picture of Jesus, who mm-hmm. we're told is if you. I mean, Jesus Himself says, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So we can spend all of our time meandering around Old Testament exile passages and some of Paul's, yeah. you know, uh, eschatology. But until there is an, a, an absolute immersion into the four portraits of Jesus, that's just it's just abstract theologizing. It doesn't it doesn't matter. We are told specifically over and over again, Jesus is the exact representation of the father. So um, until that's what, until your thoughts of God, when you think of God, you think of Jesus. And when you think of Jesus, you think of God. Until that equation is that clear, right? We always have, we always have work to do uh, because we are, our images of God can just be polluted by self-interest, my own sin, cultural conditioning, church conditioning, right? So to me, the beginning and the end of the conversation of, of understanding, however God in God's triune self relates to me, it is going to look, mm-hmm. act, sound, and feel like Jesus. Yep. And that, I mean, and that's the best news, right? There, we got nothing better than that. The gift of God <laughs> is a person. It, it's not a not an abstract thing. Yep. That's great. Awesome. You're great. That that sets us up. That sets us up for next week. For who? Um, For Jesus. What? Thank you for (laughs) joining. Thank you for joining us for Theology Thursday. Blah blah. blah. Theology Thursday. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Susie. There's uh, again references in the show notes if you want them. Um, If you have any questions, send them to Mike at journeytn.com or Kevin at journeytn.com or Susie. Um, we would love to be able to engage with Susie you more. JourneyTN.com. Let's just be clear about yep. that. Yeah, Susie at JourneyTN.com. And thanks for joining me. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. See you next week. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.